It's wonderful when the weather gets nice and the sun comes out, but iPads are not conducive to seeing. So if I struggle a little bit today, you pray for me that I can see this thing correctly and we'll make it through. In John 20, we're going to begin in the 19th verse. And we're going to read to the 23rd verse. Just to fill you in, if you were here for Easter Sunday, this is uh, the follow-up scripture to what took place last week, to what took place on Easter Sunday when Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and Jesus' body wasn't there. And you recall that John and, and Peter ran back to the tomb and then they went back to tell the others. This is that evening, and this is the scripture, John 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Lord, we ask your blessing on the reading of the word this day. And on the message this hour. Yesterday was a beautiful day. It was a good day to take your grandson uh, out for a walk or a ride in the park. And Janice and I did just that. You know, Stark Parks has bought the old Tamashanner Golf Course. It's not far from where we live. And so we grabbed Easton, uh, our grandson, five years old, and we threw his bike in the trunk of the car. Easton's bike is a very small bike. It's actually just a little bit too small for him. And when we picked him up, we found that his front tire uh, needed air. Now Janice carries a bicycle pump in her car so there was going to be no problem with that Uh, but just in case on her bike rack we put a bike that we have that Janice actually bought for Easton which is a little bit too big for Easton. So we've got a grandson who who has a bike that's one size too small or one size too big and we're headed out to take him on a ride. And when we got there to the park, Janice jumped out, took uh, the big bike off the bike rack, put it down on the ground and told Easton get on that bike and take a ride. Now he's just learned to ride without training wheels so he's got a little bit of confidence there and he jumped on that bike that's just one size too big and as he started off He did what all of us have done at some point if we ever tried to ride a bike. He realized it was bigger than he thought, and he also realized that he was a little bit higher from the ground, and he also lost his balance, and he went down. And you know how that goes when you're wearing shorts and your knee hits the ground, and then your hand goes to catch you, and you run it through the stones, and you feel like the world's coming to an end? That's where he was. Now, he was ready to get on that other bike real quick with the, with the bad tire and one size too small. But I realized we needed to instill a little bit of confidence in him. And I said, no, Easton, you need to get back on the bike. And I picked it up, and I said to him, Papa should have held the back of your bike. And he fought me. He said, no, he wasn't getting back on that bike. He was not getting back on that bike and wreck it again. And I said, Easton, I promise you I will hold the seat, and I will not let go of you while you ride the bike. And so there we were in the parking lot, riding around the parking lot with Papa holding the back of the seat. And we did a big loop and we made it back to the car and everything was good. He trusted me. 
He satisfied my request to get back on, and I satisfied his request to stay on the bike, and I would not let go. You know, I'll tell you another bike story, and there's a reason for the bike stories. Many of you know that I ride a motorcycle. And this past week, with a little bit extra time on my hand, I rode back to my old neighborhood to see my best friend, Ed. Ed and Sue are very special to me, and I took the bike and rode back, but one thing I did was I didn't call them to tell them I was coming. And as I made it into their neighborhood, to a certain street, to my surprise, when I looked up, there they were coming at me in the opposite direction. And so I... Flashed my lights, honked my horn, turned around, came back, and we had a talk with them in the middle of the street, uh, chatted with them for a few minutes, and because I hadn't called ahead to tell them I was coming, they were not ready to visit with me. They had appointments to get to and things they were doing, and that was fine with me. I was on the bike. It was a beautiful day. I would have rode somewhere anyway. Everything was good. I can come back. And I guess before I go any further in the story, you need to know something. Um, When I say to you that Ed's special to me, uh, literally several times in my life, I've placed my life in his hands. Everything that I have, he can have, and everything that he has, generally I can have. We trust each other. He was the best man in my wedding. We are best friends. But there's a little bit of a a piece in me these days that doesn't want to share my motorcycle. And so as we're standing there in the street and having a chat, he said to me, I wish I would have known you were coming. If I'd have known you were coming, I would have gotten my motorcycle helmet out because I want to drive your motorcycle. And I said, Ed, I'm awful glad that I didn't call ahead to tell you that I was coming. (laughs) His wife Sue kind of laughed and he laughed. I trust him with anything, but I'm not sure I'd trust him with the gold wing. What does that have to do with anything concerning the first evening of that first day of the week when Jesus rode from the dead? Actually, quite a bit. In the 19th verse, let's walk through these four verses very quickly. On the evening of the day of the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Church, it had been a long day. Mary had risen up. Mary Magdalene had gotten up early that morning and went to the tomb to find it empty. John and Peter were alerted by Mary. They ran back to the tomb to find it empty. They came back to confirm with the others the news that Jesus' body was gone. In fear. Notice what that 19th verse says, that they were in behind doors locked in fear for their own lives. They're in that room with the doors locked for a reason. They were fearful that the Jews would come for them next. And if you look at the verse closely, something miraculous happens. The doors are locked, but Jesus appears in their midst. It's pretty important that you get this. There's two things that you ought to get, in my opinion. First, Jesus appears behind locked doors without anyone opening them to let him in. You should pay attention to that. And secondly, probably more importantly, look at what Jesus says. The scripture, the verse actually tells us that they were there for fear of the Jews. And Jesus' words are these to those that are fearful. Peace, peace be with you. 
Scripture says in the 20th verse, when he had said this, he showed them his hands, he showed them his side. Surely it was meant to show them the marks where the nails had gone into his wrists, where a spear had been plunged into his side. And the Bible says that when they saw this, they were glad to see Jesus. In the 21st verse, Jesus says to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Now, please understand something, church. First, Jesus repeats himself, peace be with you. But then he adds something to that. As the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. This is significant. He's saying to them, I'm sending you out with a task. I'm sending you out with a purpose. And it's the same task and purpose that my Father gave to you, to me. I'm sending you in the same way that my Father has sent me. Now, church, let me stop and interject a little thought for you this morning. You've heard the phrase, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Please understand that when Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, he is not saying to the disciples that you have to duplicate his work. In fact, we couldn't. Jesus was saying the way that his Father had sent him was the way that he was sending us. We are not to be a Xerox or carbon copy. No one's going to have to die upon a cross the way that Jesus did. And in the 22nd verse, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You should surely take note of this because he wasn't breathing on them the Holy Spirit. He was telling them to receive the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit would come on the day of Pentecost. Let's stop for a minute and review here, church. I want you to really get the picture of these four or five verses we're looking at. Jesus is speaking to scared men, and he says to them, be peaceful. He's telling them, he's giving them a task, that just as his father had sent him, he was urging them to receive the Spirit and do what he had done. It's obvious that the giving of the Spirit was going to be critical to them being able to do what he was sending them to do. The job of being on mission with Jesus and the way that Jesus sends us to be in mission requires something beyond us, beyond ourselves. It requires the Holy Spirit's power and authority. And yet, we have not yet been told in this scripture what the task is. That there's one more verse that we need to read, and it's the 23rd verse. And I want you to look at it close. Jesus said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And there it is. Forgiveness. You're to forgive sins so that people will be forgiven. If you withhold uh, forgiveness, then it's withheld. And when I say that to you, what ought to jump into your head is what jumps into mine. Wait, what did you just say? Forgive sins? Okay, that's good. But withhold forgiveness? Let's stop for a minute, church, and get this. Let's be real clear. I agree that all of us need to be more forgiving. At the end of the day, forgiving sins is the work of Jesus. We're to declare it, we're to practice it, we're to encourage it, we're to tell people about it. But the whole work of forgiveness of sins belongs with Jesus Christ. 
And so when we read withhold forgiveness, we read, and this is what we read, unforgiveness. And that's not quite really what ought to be read into that verse. The right read for us would be that we are to declare ought to everyone that to not receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers would be the equivalent of choosing to continue to carry the punishment, the pain, and the results of sin. You see, our job is to declare to the world there's a better way. It's in the forgiveness of Jesus. And if you choose not to receive that forgiveness, it's going to be a hard, rough, rocky road. And because these disciples had already experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, they were in the perfect place to declare that to others. But how would they do it? Well, first, the giving of the Holy Spirit. But the second piece, which we've already been told by Jesus, you might have let slip by you, and that is that the peace of Christ was in them. What did he say to them? Peace be with you. And then he said it again. You see, that peace is the peace that the Christian experience when the, experiences when they are in a relationship of having been forgiven by Jesus Christ. The worry, the pain, the death, the hurt, the heartache, it is of no more significance because Jesus carried that upon a cross. In fact, if the disciples were good students of Jesus, they would have remembered that back in John 14 and verse 27, he had said these words to them, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. And here are these disciples locked in a room afraid. And the fear that locks you in a room afraid with other believers is wrong, church. Jesus is saying, I've got something more for you. Peace, my peace, from a forgiven heart that knows forgiveness intimately. In fact, in another place, Jesus had said, I've said these things to you that in me you will have peace. In this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling these scared, frightened men hiding behind locked doors who were followers of his, find your peace. I'm leaving it with you for a reason because I'm sending you in mission as the Father sent me in mission. You won't have to receive the penalty of your sins. You only need to receive the power of the Spirit that I'm giving to you to carry that out. Go in your peace and go in the power that I give you. Tell the world that they don't have to be afraid of sin or of death. Tell them that they can be forgiven too like you are and have the peace that you have like you have. And church, that gets me to the bottom line. I want you to think about this. God trusts you enough Get this, church. God trusts you enough to share the peace and the power of his forgiveness. What have you ever been trusted with? Some of you here would say that you have your mother's secret pie recipe. Can you remember the first time mom or dad trusted you enough to take the family car? How about your company you worked for? Do you have some of their trade secrets that only you know or just a handful of people will know? Somebody out there has the recipe for Coca-Cola. At one time, there was only one person that had the Colonel's secret recipe for chicken. 
Some of you have had the experience of being trusted with a newborn baby child. What is the most that you have ever been trusted with? And I want you to stop for for a minute and imagine the awesome responsibility that comes with being trusted with the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Let me say that to you again. I want you to imagine the awesome responsibility that comes with the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that's been given to us. Because that is exactly what we're talking about this morning, church. God has entrusted believers with the message of his forgiveness. When you have his forgiveness, you have his peace. When you have his forgiveness, he gives you the Holy Spirit. He also gives us, in a real way, the keys to his car. In fact, he gives us the keys to his kingdom. The peace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit are given to forgiven believers, and they are the key to the kingdom. But church, let me ask you, are you up to the task? My immediate response is, you better be, because he has called us and sent us on mission. Some of you, deep down inside, you just shuddered when I said that. You remember the Apostle Paul? Before it was the Apostle Paul, he's on the Damascus Road. He's breathing out threatening and murder and slaughter against the people of God. One day after he became a Christian, after God knocked him off his high horse, Paul penned these words, and I want you to hear them. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes this. Thanks be to God who in Christ leads us in a triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. To one we are a fragrance of death, to the other we are a fragrance of life. The church, just so you understand, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who once was not a Christian, who once wanted to kill all Christians, has penned these words. And he is saying, thanks be to God who has placed us in a triumphal procession to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him. And he says, we spread the aroma of God to everyone. To some, we are the fragrance of life. And to others, we're the fragrance of death. And he's going to go on to explain to us that for those that accept Christ, we're the fragrance of life. But to those who who don't accept Christ, it's the fragrance of death. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in the passage we looked at this morning. He's saying sometimes the forgiveness will be given and people will receive it. And other times it will be offered and it won't be. But we still got to offer it. But right here in in Paul, Paul says one sentence. I I, I brought you to 2 Corinthians 2 for a reason. Because right after he says this, we're the fragrance of God to everyone, to some the fragrance of life, to some the fragrance of death. He has this one little sentence, this question. And his question is this, who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient for these things? You see, what Paul is asking is, are we, trust, are we trustworthy enough to keep and to message and to share the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Can we be trusted 
that His Holy Spirit will empower us to do that right? Can we, be trust, can we trust Him enough that His peace will get us through it? Can we trust God to hold on to the bicycle seat as we go about the task? Because in and of ourselves, Paul's saying here, we aren't up to it. When he asks the question, who is sufficient for these things? Please understand the answer to the question. No one. No one's up to that. But understand this, church. Jesus is not asking us to die on a cross for the world's sins. He isn't asking us to tell the world that they deserve to die on a cross for his sins. He's asking us to give them the message that he already has. He's asking us to take that message of love and forgiveness and to share it high and low, far and wide in the peace and in the power of the Holy Spirit that only he can give us. And the reason he calls us to that task, church, listen, is because he trusts you with it. He trusts you with it. Joel Adkins may not let you ride his gold wing, but God trusts you with his forgiveness. You may not be able to trust your papa to hold the back of the bicycle seat, but you can trust God because he's going to get you through the sharing of that message of forgiveness. Church, Christ has called us to share the best message ever. Not to live the best message ever, to share it. He's trusted it to us, he's given it to us, and he asks us, as the Father sent him, that we would go and do what he's called us to do. Church, let me be clear with you. He's not asking us to be nice people. That'd be help, but it's not what he's asking us to be. He's not asking us to be pushovers. He's not asking us to be everything to anyone at any time. What he's asking us to do is to tell the world that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever lives and believes in him does not have to perish. They can have eternal life because he's forgiven the disciples and he's now forgiven those believers in Christ gathered here and he is able to forgive you. And we are messengers of that truth. That what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary is final, sufficient, and it is enough. So church, that's the message today. God trusts you enough to share his peace and his power that comes in his forgiveness.